It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. It's a funny old game. Well, a very good day, everybody. It's almost like starting a new season when you get to this time of the year with the podcast. But anyway, our date is the 5th of October 2023. Our weather has been absolutely roasting. It's more like the middle of summer uh, uh, rather than autumn going towards possibly um, even... Anyway, look, the weather will change at some time. Um, Our definition on the mountain is good. Uh, no wind about, and all in all, it's just another brick in the wall. Let's go west. Uh, we we'll go about an hour in the car. Sensible driving, and I should find Rob Daniels. So, yeah, hi, good well, morning well, to well, you. Good morning to you, Rob. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, and as you said, the weather here over the last few days it's been roasting hot. It's been uh, just like the middle of summer. Um, in during the day, at least, t- temperatures are dropping in the night time. But it has been unseasonally hot, hasn't it? it? It has. But then again, I mean, we've had times like this. So, um, you know, obviously the uh, people in the media want us to all see the glaciers in Spain drying up and everything. Uh, it, I mean, anything to frighten us, quite frankly. But let's go straight to the football. There's a huge, huge um, item which we will be discussing. But let's get our priorities right. What's happened this week uh, in the actual games? Right, Vince. Well, we had one Premier League catch-up match um, two nights ago, Tuesday night, and that was uh, Luton against Burnley, um, both down the bottom end at the moment, and uh, Burnley won that 1-2, which I think is actually their first away win this season. And also during the week, we've had um, the second match day of the Champions League, um, knockout, well, not knockout, the league part of the Champions League, um, the Spanish teams did okay. Actually, Real Sociedad my team uh, won. Sevilla got a draw, but Sevilla having an extremely bad season anyway. Um, Real Madrid won. It was a difficult match against Napoli, but Real Madrid got the goal in the end. And uh, Barcelona hung on to a one-nil lead last night against Porto. So Spanish teams did okay, but not the same for the English teams, unfortunately. Um, Man United um, lost at home to Galatasaray three-two which Man United are in a nightmare of a, a week, really, and uh, they didn't seem to be getting any better for them. Um, and Arsenal, again, uh, they were expected to win, or expected to get a result. They lost away at Lens, and City did OK. City won uh, 3-1 last night against Leipzig, uh, but uh, Newcastle did all right as well. The ones who played last night were OK. Newcastle got 4-0 against PSG, which is a good result. But yeah, Man United and Arsenal, um, disappointing for them. So that's sort of basically a round of the Champions League um, second round matches. OK, uh, not just a good result, a great result for Newcastle United. I mean, uh, they've been threatening that uh, they, they, these good games will uh, bear a lot more fruit for Eddie Howe. We've um, really applauded his work over the months and years. So that's a great win for them uh, with Mbappe and people like that uh, in, in the team. OK, now, uh, I did mention getting priorities right. Um, even though there's a big football story which concerns my uh, club and uh, something that we will be discussing. Uh, There's a more um, outrageous thing that actually happened and this was something to do with a football job in the uh, United Kingdom in England and he taunted outraged Sunderland supporters. How did he outrage them? What actually happened? Right, well, Vince, well, we've got a couple of uh, real yobbers to speak about, unfortunately, at the beginning this morning. But this was, um, it was Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday against Sunderland, and uh, Sunderland went on to win the match. And uh, several years ago now, um, there was a young lad called Bradley Lowry, who um, he was very, very well known locally in Sunderland. He was well known throughout the country, actually, yeah, towards the end of his life, but he was um, a very young boy. He was diagnosed with some really, really rare condition when he was 18 months old, and um, he managed to survive till he was seven, and unfortunately passed away at seven years old. But his parents wanted to have the, be- the most normal life possible, or the best life he could in the short space that he had to live. 
and he became like the Sunderland football team uh, mascot. And uh, Jermaine Defoe was playing for them at the time. And Jermaine, Jermaine Defoe and uh, Bradley's family and Bradley himself, they all made friends with each other. And um, Jermaine Defoe took him all over. And the parents and the family, they, they, they took them all over the place. He went to Wembley and all sorts of places. And unfortunately, he passed away because that was going to happen. Um, and everybody missed him. And they've got the fun running for him and things like that. However, when they played, Sunderland played Sheffield on Wednesday a couple of nights ago, I think we're allowed to name him because he's been um, taken to court about it and he's been found guilty. So this guy's called Dale Houghton, 31. He was in the uh, crowd. He's a Sheffield Wednesday supporter. We don't call supporters, do we, Vince, as other words. And he held upon his phone a picture of the six-year-old um, Sunderland mascot, Bradley Lowry, and started sort of laughing about it. And it was, it was on his mobile phone. He was just, like, holding up at the, at the camera. And... It, it was just a completely pointless um, gesture, but an extremely ignorant one. It's, it's like words fail you, don't they, really, at times like this. I mean, how did that occur to anybody to do? Um, and as you know, I've got family connections in Sunderland, so I've, I've, I've been following this story for like ever since uh, probably first came on the scene. Yeah. But um, he's got no respect for anybody at all. I mean, he's been banned from uh, going to Sheffield Wednesday, He's waiting for um, a sentence, actually, from the court, but he's definitely found guilty. I don't know what they can do to him, to be honest. I don't know how serious a crime it would actually be considered. Well, I, I think... <laughs> well, it, you see, the thing is, it, it, it is such an outrageous thing. Um, you, you know, uh, saying that he's high on cocaine is not an excuse in the slightest. In fact, it, it exacerbates the problem. It means that he was in the ground and, you know, um, if he's high on cocaine, then obviously he's a danger to the public because you've no idea how unpredictable he can be. And uh, to be fair, um, you know, this um, outrageous way of taunting the other side's fans is just an abuse of humanity. Um, you, you know, uh, he doesn't deserve to be even regarded as a person. When you can do that to a little lad who's died of cancer and, um, you know, tr try to um, justify it by saying you were high on cocaine. I'm sorry, it's disgusting. I'm going to move on to the next one because... Mm -hmm. there's, there's no excuses of incident. Nothing. that some people will go to. Nothing um, justifies that. It, it baffles you, doesn't it, really? Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, it, 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 this is a football podcast. Not many football podcasts will address things like this. I'm afraid that's where we're all missing the point the football is secondary to an incident like that. Now, there's another idiot, and this is a Newcastle United fan. And this guy is, um, we'll name this guy as well. Uh, he's been uh, charged with a public order offence. Um, and the offence they used was using threatening or abusive words or behaviour likely to cause harassment, alarm or distress. And this was after a, f a crude video was posted on social media. Um, I'll quickly tell you the name is Blake. I'm not going to give you the rest of his name. He's 41. For goodness sake, these two guys are grown adults and their brains obviously have been left behind. So what did the clip show um, of what was happening in this video he put on social platforms? Um, what did the, the clip actually show? Right, Vince. Well, this was a, the 14-second video which was posted to X, which uh, was formerly known as Twitter. And it was after uh, Newcastle United beat um, Manchester City. This guy's from the Newcastle area, by the way. And um, they beat them at St James's Park. And they, this guy, Blake, apparently, um, well, he did because he's filmed, he ran up behind the... Um, a group of city supporters, and he started uh, mocking the uh, Munich air disaster in 1958, and for no reason other than to just provoke them. And it was it was Man United that was involved. Well, it, it was it's, Manchester, wasn't it? The it, whole country, as far as I'm aware. I mean, and you remember the times? The whole country was affected by it, wasn't it? Well, it, well, uh, well it, exactly, it, it, Rob. It was funny to run up behind a load of city supporters and start mocking them about that, and then somebody, probably himself, put it on this. Um, formerly known as Twitter site, Ekis. 
So uh, again, another another one who really is but a neuron for a brain. Well, you see, it's worse than that. Their ignorance is shown by the fact that this particular guy obviously didn't realise that it was Manchester United and that Manchester City is part of maybe the same city. Um, but what he also, if he occurred to uh, apply his brain to what happened, everybody in the country was saddened, doesn't matter what your football club was, we were all saddened by the fact mm-hmm. that Manchester United lost a great number of their great players and unfortunately um, these uh, people with no brains don't realise all clubs rallied round and did what they could to help Manchester United in their hour of need and that's the position we need to get back to um, because basically uh, you know when we've got idiots like these two people that are now in the uh, courts because of the fact they can't behave it shows you that there's a uh, filtering of decent behaviour and decency which is now leaking into society and coming from um, places that you wouldn't expect and certainly there's two prime examples. Rob, I'm going to play a jingle and then we're going to move to a football-related theme which is very prevalent at the moment, um, very important, not just for Liverpool but for all football fans. Here we go. It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. Okay, now, uh, Rob, as I'm a Liverpool fan and watch the game, I think it probably might be better that you describe what you think is going on. Um, if I have another angle to offer, I'll do that. Um, but, you know, obviously you won't be as passionate as I probably would be in this case. So uh, just tell us what's been going on. Right, Vince. Um, yeah, for anybody who hasn't actually heard of this um, incident, which I doubt because it is a football podcast and I'm sure that all the regulars have, uh, have seen it and have their own opinion. But this was... Um, if I just stick to the basics and then you can get your emotion out, yeah? Um, but um, this was in the 34th minute of the um, the spurs Liverpool match at the weekend. And it was probably one of the worst refereeing decisions um, since the Premier League started. Definitely since VAR started. And what it involved, it involved um, the Liverpool player, um, Lewis Diaz, who was, he got the ball in the back of the net that the on-pitch referee blew it as offside and it went to the VAR box and they produced a, a video, or sorry, an audio of the what went on in the VAR box and anyone can listen to it and they were just getting completely mixed up with between themselves. They had no idea what was going on at all um, and they actually gave it as an offside because they went with the referee's original decision. When you look back at it, it was onside by miles. But the cock-up between the VAR people and the match referee, um, now they've produced the the audio to go with it, um, it just goes to prove that these people have absolutely no idea what's going on. Um, They they don't understand the rules of football. Um, One of them, um, Darren England, who is actually a Premier League referee still at the moment. Um, he was in charge of the VAR box that day, and he confused offside with onside. Now, how a professional referee um, can confuse the on, on-pitch referee's decisions offside and think he means onside, and he, he, he basically just trips themselves up completely. And by the time they realised they'd made a mistake, the match had already started, so there's nothing they could do again to stop it. And it is one of the worst refereeing um, decisions, well, ever probably, but definitely in the VAR um, period. And it's going a lot further than that, isn't it, Vince? It it will. Lots of different things. I I did predict about 20 years ago that there's going to be a momentous thing that will bring something which could maybe bring a bit of sanity back to football because I've um, made my comments well and truly clear about the football scenario where people are being paid absolute fortunes. And I'm 
completely and utterly under the impression that there's a sinister plot to undermine the work ethic and obviously it's much bigger than what we're talking about uh, in my way of looking at it. Uh, I will explain a little bit more, but tell us a little bit more about the referees who actually uh, were involved in the, uh, the VAR decision because they actually went on a long extracurricular gig in the Middle East, didn't they, uh, just before the game? Yes, they did, in fact, uh, Vince, which is uh, something which, again, has been in the news prior to this um, event. It was in the news uh, last couple of weeks ago, but now it's risen to prominence. These, um, Darren England and Dan Cook, who were both officiating that match in the VAR box, um, they went to a UAE Pro League match between Sharjah and Al Ain on Thursday, which was like, this match was on the Sunday, so Thursday... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two or three days before, they were kicking off, and there was a kickoff at 8pm local time, which I think is about midnight, I think about four hours ahead of the, the UK, so it was a late night kickoff, 16 hour round trip, and then supposed to be ready and fresh for what was the biggest Premier League fixture of that particular um, match, the match week, and there's a big concern about referees who do this kind of job, being... Um, over, overworked and uh, fought there with fatigue and things. These players have to make massive journeys from one side of the world to the other um, to play internationals and things. But players, once they're on the pitch, they just concentrate on playing. Whereas a referee is supposed to have eyes in the back of his head out that is supposed to be really on the ball. And these two guys went on a job. I don't know how much they got paid, but it would have been quite a lot of money, I imagine. Um, two days before, they were supposed to be officiating the biggest match of the match day. Uh, that's brought all sorts of suspicions about, as you can imagine, Vince. Well, um, that maybe when they were there, somebody had a bit of a word with them and things like that. But um, yeah, that they, it's just going on and on, isn't it? The further this goes on, well, the more and more value is coming, um, coming into disrepute even further than it was before. The two guys who were actually operating the uh, machinery, um, Ollie and you, know, you can read, you can read about them online. Um, they don't have anything to do with football at all. They um, are software software developers. They're computer um, experts who uh, they're involved in this Hawkeye technology, which is to do with um, tennis and I think rugby union use it, and VAR should be using it as well. Um, where it's computer it's computer generated what happens, but they don't actually know anything about the game of football. Um, and you can tell that when you're hearing them talking in the uh, in the VAR box. These two guys are just manipulating lines on a pitch, on a, on a screen, but they don't know how to manipulate them properly because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing with them. Or they don't and bother it, putting them on. Things. But unfortunately, it changed the result of the match. Therefore, it changed the result of Liverpool's points at the end of the season. Jurgen um, Klopp is trying to get them to play the match again, but that's very, very unlikely. Um there are all sorts of things coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, well, um, our late colleague, Eric Malpas, always was totally against the technology. Um, at the time, I was all for the technology because I thought it would have been used ethically by experts, which is totally and utterly not the case. Now, I, I did talk about trying not to get uh, too impassioned. Um, because basically it's my own team. But I do try to be very objective about virtually everything we talk about. And I've, I've got a number of considerations that I would like to offer our listeners. Number one, betting is definitely involved in a lot of what goes on. Spurs, Tottenham Hotspur, had not beaten Liverpool for many, many years uh, in this particular fixture. And it does seem rather strange the way the whole game went. Jurgen Klopp can't say this because they just um, fine him and ban him. So I will say it. If you look at Liverpool's record this year, we're not a dirty team. Liverpool don't go out to kick other teams off the park. And we've had three red cards in only eight games. There's my number one suspicion. My number two suspicion I've already just mentioned about Spurs and uh, Liverpool's record and the fact that betting would be involved. Now let's go to the match itself. So 
we have an incident where Curtis Jones, a young lad who's uh, an international now, he's a very clean player, and he makes a tackle and he's given a yellow card. I don't have a, didn't have a problem with that. And then within a minute, VAR have managed to suddenly do what they couldn't do for Luis Diaz's goal. Um, they managed to bring everything back and produce a frame, a freeze frame, which would appear to show a Curtis Jones stamping on an opponent's leg, which he wouldn't be doing. If he knew the game of football, you know that what he would be doing would be going over the top of the ball to try and control the ball and bring it back. And uh, yes, maybe it was a little bit clumsy. I don't think it was particularly, certainly not a, a, a malicious intent. And it certainly should never have immediately be changed to a red card and the first sending off. Okay. Mm. So then we... He played the ball, didn't he? That's, that's why he shouldn't have done, because he was actually playing the ball. Yeah, should but, have been a yellow, definitely. Yeah. Exactly. Not, not red, no way. Now, remember, Jurgen Klopp can't make these comments, but I can. Because basically, I'm telling you what I saw. I'm not making any claims other than what did I see. I saw the playback of uh, the second sending off where we had, first of all, the first yellow card came when it looked like the Spurs player tripped over his own feet or his leg or whatever it was without any interference from Jota. But immediately a card was produced because he fell over. Okay, it might have been a gust of wind, it might have been anything, but it didn't look as if Jota did anything at all. But the second one was definitely worthy of a yellow card and immediately the chance to send off the second Liverpool player. Okay, so now we've got uh, two things that I think looked very, very dodgy. It was almost like there was collusion to try and get players sent off. And there's been a lot more than just Liverpool over the last few weeks, by the way. But Liverpool, I think, is has been targeted by the referees. The VAR decision for the uh, Diaz goal we've talked about, so I'm not going to labour that point. Although I will uh, add on that there were no lines produced and that's why uh, they were seemingly able to get away with it until other things came to light. And the fourth thing that I thought was interesting was we clearly saw a fist or a hand of a Spurs player go into a Liverpool player's face and not even a yellow card was produced. So there we are. That's the way I saw the game. I think there's going to be a lot more that comes along with this. So I'm going to move on with another jingle. And then, um, Rob, we're going to talk about video games. Not my particular speciality, but let's, let's play it. Play the jingle. Yeah. It's Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. It's a funny old game. OK, so soccer isn't exempt from machismo. We know that. Um, but then from the article I read and uh, shared with Rob, nor are video games that simulate it. In its new edition, EA Sports FC24, known as FIFA, allows for building mixed teams to play online against others, which has prompted criticism from streamers. Um, in particular, they talked about the game's lack of realism. Uh, this year, female players' uh, scores within the game universe are higher than in past editions. They're now on a par with the best male soccer players. The streamers also claim that women's inclusion has been forced by putting them on the same level as men. In the game online mode, where users create their own teams, it's more likely that there will be offered female players, although it doesn't require teams to have a minimum number of women. 
So uh, further on, it went on to say Electronic Arts, the company that owns the game uh, tr- uh, franchise is listed on NASDAQ. So this is important. There's money involved, obviously. Follow the money. You'll find where the problem's coming from. The second largest automated electronic stock exchange in the United States. According to a report from the um, company itself, the net revenue from sales of extra content for Ultimate Team was $4.04 billion between 2018 and 2020. There's a number of things that are involved here, Rob, that I want you to consider. The first one is they're trying to brainwash people, younger generation that use the games, uh, to be prepared for mixed teams. That is the way I see it. That's what they do. The media softens up your brains. People need to wake up and woke up because this is where football, I have said this for a long time, is being used by these people that want Agenda 2030. Don't forget, there is no justification now for taking the the knee, for example. Uh, Watford, the players have told everybody that they're so confused now, they're not going to take the knee anymore. So, you know, it's not just my opinion anymore. There's a lot of other people um, can see these things. The video games... I don't even watch them because, quite honestly, it's frighteningly accurate how good the games are at looking like the players themselves. Now, Rob, um, I've pontificated a bit there. Sorry about that. What do you think about what I'm talking about? Um, Again, Vince, um, video games are not my speciality at all. Um, And and when you actually sent me uh, the information about this yesterday evening, it was too late for me to ask anybody, really, because uh, I tell my uh, godson who, who plays these games, he had them ever since he was a little boy, and now he's in his early 30s. He was at work last night, so uh, I haven't been able to get anybody else's opinion, but it does all tie in with what you've been saying for years, doesn't it, Vince? Hmm. I mean, I know about this FIFA game um, because I think everybody must have heard of it. I've never played it, but I've seen um, Itar and his friends playing it, and they play it online against people who the side of the world and things like that. And the graphics are absolutely um, amazing, some of them. But they all think they can play football because they couldn't press buttons faster than everybody else. And when they actually get to, with a ball out there on a pitch, something like that, they've got no idea what to do. However, um, I didn't even realise there were female players in the game, um, in the FIFA video game. But if that's the way that there's a... Uh, Bringing it forward, they're playing the same level as men and they're more likely to be offered female players as transfer um, opportunities and things like that. Then it is all going in that direction, isn't it, Vince, really? Rob, um, there's, there's, ju- there's dots to be joined up and most people don't, mm-hmm. don't even look for them. What I would say to people is this is almost like phasing your transgender stuff that you've had going through sport recently in things like cycling and swimming um, and whether or not, you know, uh, how can they slide in and make us all become mixed. Don't forget, I also uh, do other podcasts away from the uh, sporting scene and uh, clearly there is a movement and I would refer people to the Communist Party manifesto and look at China as a, 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 a country that have got problems in this area. Um, there is a movement to confuse family values, and it's being very, very successful at the moment. Um, and in the Communist Party manifesto, they say to defeat capitalism, they will uh, try to defeat the family. Well, it's funny, isn't it, you see, because you get all mixed up there, because uh, suddenly uh, we've got all these video games and it's all about the money and China itself is all mixed up between the communism angle. But let me tell you, for those that aren't aware, cities are now being built where you are locked into your city in China. If they go ahead and get no cash and control everybody's money, you will not be allowed to shop more than a certain number of miles away from the city that you live in. Please don't think soccer acts in isolation. It's a huge global issue, and this is part of it. I love the game of football. 
I love people to enjoy football. It's important that I say these things and I apologise for those people that don't really see where I'm coming from. Rob, do I make sense to you? Because if I don't make sense to you, I don't really make sense to anybody. Well, of course it makes sense to me, Vince, because, um, well, we've been working together for many, many years now and you've been saying the same kind of thing um, since before I met you. We've known each other best part of 20 years, haven't we? We have indeed. Um, I think more and more people are beginning to see what the kind of things you say. And because we do, um, it's basically a sports-based, or football-based um, podcast, we always bring in that this kind of thing because although football is a small cog in a massive wheel, isn't it? But it is all interrelated. And um, wherever you're looking, any kind of different walk of life, it appears that the same kind of things are happening. Now, what you've just said about China building cities where people can be locked in, um, you do a lot of research into this kind of thing, and I'm sure that it's correct. I'll maybe have a look myself later on. But that is very, very worrying, especially if you're Chinese, I would say, don't you? Well, I mean, they have a turnstile, and the turnstile has the technology where you scan the eye so that you can see who the person is. Um, You know, there is fake news about, so I've got to always preface and talk about things with the back of my mind reminding me that there is fake news about, but I have seen a video which purports to tell me this, and remember that China has been in a position where they can control families and the number of babies that you can have. That is not my opinion. That is an absolute fact. It is not fake news. So please, um, you know, I'm not going to stay on this because we're on a football podcast. I'll lighten this by telling you that Aston Villa's players are apparently unhappy with the design of their current home shirts and believe it's been affecting their performances on the pitch. There have been complaints from the Villa squad uh, that the shirts made by Manchester-based sportswear brand Castor uh, became soaked with sweat minutes into games and continued to retain moisture throughout the matches. Now, uh, you know, this wouldn't have been quite as interesting uh, because the players are having to play in a soaking wet T-shirt and it's a problem that needs to be solved. It can't go on all season. However, I didn't send you this because I only recently saw it. The Aston Villa ladies team are quite happy They've got these soaking wet T-shirts. So uh, that's according to the press that um, presented that particular uh, tidbit. Um, But you see, this is the difference between if you look at the adverts now where they're trying to mix up football. In in the past, you'd have all your adverts showing you just a bit of the snatch of a game of football. Uh, but now they've managed to poke in a bit of the, the ladies' football. And really, you've got to check your match that you're actually being seen as an advert. You know, um, this came to light when there was an England-Scotland game advertised in the middle of a batch of these flashed adverts, uh, which is totally in line with the brainwashing that went on during the Second World War. So please, I'm telling people, keep aware of what you actually are seeing and whether or not you want it to go this way, because I feel that we're being hoodwinked again. Uh, Rob, um, I'm going to play a jingle and I'm going to ask you to do your La Liga Roundup, if you can do that for us, Rob. Here it comes. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. OK, Rob, so uh, um, exciting times uh, are on the way. Uh, tell us what's happening with uh, La Liga. Right, Vince. Well, La Liga are now, um, they are going into match day nine. So they started a couple of a match after the Premier League, but they've had a couple of midweek fixtures. So now they're a match ahead of the Premier League. Um, they're going into match week nine. However, at the moment, we've got Real Madrid at the top, um, eight matches, 21 points. Barcelona in second. Girona, who were in first position uh, last week, but they played Real Madrid at the weekend and lost. Um, it's the first time they've ever been at the top of La Liga, so uh, their fans will be proud of them just for getting there because they've been around for 90-odd years. It's the first time they've ever been on top, just for one week. 
Then we've got Athletic Madrid, Real Athletic Club, Betis and things like that. The usual sort of suspects are up at the top. Um, and at the bottom end, so they had a really bad start to the season, but now they're picking up a little bit. At the bottom end, we've got uh, Almeria, eight, eight matches, three points. Then Granada, they played each other, I see. Andalusia and neighbours at the weekend, and they had a draw, which didn't do them any good either, either of them. So they've got uh, five points. Then we've got Celta Vigo on five points as well. And it gradually um, increases through then. Valencia, um, a mid-table at the moment, the ninth, eight matches and ten points. They had, had quite a good start, actually, and they're not going too badly at the moment. So after a very poor season, the last couple of seasons, I think uh, they should be OK. And we're kicking off again. It starts again tomorrow night. We've got Tatlitz, we've got uh, Almeria, and Real Madrid against Osasuna, and it will Barcelona playing. I'll just check. Ah, Barcelona playing away at Granada. Um... So, yeah, we've got a full match uh, schedule lined up for the weekend. And what they're doing here is what they've been doing, um, they did in the Premier League for one season, is they don't play all the matches at once. They play them staggered um, so that people can actually watch every match if, they, if they've got the facility to do so. So it starts on a um, Friday evening, then it goes all the way through Saturday and all the way through Sunday as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's some really good football and uh, there's always plenty of stuff going on in Spanish football. Okay, now look, I didn't put this in, but I think we should quickly uh, allow you to uh, gloat a little bit about the fact that your team, although they're in the second division, if you like, uh, which is the second behind the Premier League, it's called a championship, um, but you're actually um, beginning to show a little bit of form again, which I'm delighted for you. Um, uh, I was watching a bit of Leicester playing Preston North End last night, um, which looked a pretty good game actually and Leicester uh, a team which I have a bit of um, a, a soft spot for because of uh, the, the the fact that the chairman died in the uh, uh, the helicopter crash um, but tell us what's happened with your team because it's important right well Leeds um, won again last night actually won at home on nil against QPR and QPR are one of the teams that they have been in the uh, Premier League before but they are like a standard championship team aren't they they're very good, but they're like standard championship um, style, if you like, and Leeds beat them. They seem to be getting to the found their feet eventually, and now they're up to sixth position um, out of um, 22, but they're in a, um, a playoff position at the moment. And, yeah, things are looking quite positive for Leeds at the moment. Leicester City, as you mentioned, um, they haven't lost a match, I don't think, um, I don't show the last five, but they've got 10, point, 10 matches and 27 points. They're on top. Um, so, yeah, it's all becoming very exciting in the uh, Championship. But well, it's a long season. It, it play, is. Uh, 46 matches instead of, uh, instead of 42. Instead of 38, sorry. And, um, well, it's a long toil, but Leeds seem to have found their feet. And uh, let's hope that they uh, at least get in the, uh, the playoffs, if not get straight back up again. Yeah. Um, well, you know, obviously, when you look at that championship now, you could be looking at the premiership. Uh, most of those clubs, I think, apart from Preston, um, uh, I don't think Preston have been in the Premier League. I yeah, can't... Pre- Preston, Preston have been, Vince, actually. And, um... Maybe about 10 seasons ago, they were there for a couple of seasons. Mm, OK, um, I forgot that. So, um, yeah. OK, well, look, we're going to move on now and we're going to have a look at uh, the Premier and uh, what happened. And then we'll have a little look at uh, what we feel is likely to happen. So here we go. Uh, review of the Premier League next. So, we didn't do quite as well this week. Uh, you got the first one right, mind. It was uh, Aston Villa uh, were playing uh, Brighton. Now, on form, uh, I thought Brighton could have won it. I think you, uh, I think I did say at the time, I, th- I thought there was every chance that, you know, you could be right and Villa would win it. But they they absolutely slammed Brighton. 6-1. Uh, with a hat-trick, uh, which you'll tell us about. Uh, so, uh, a great performance. Well done, Aston Villa. Yeah, no, that was uh, a bit of a surprise result, wasn't it? I mean, I thought that Villa would win it because it was the early kick-off on the Saturday. And uh, although the Brighton players were probably stayed up there the night before, they won't have had that much of a big following crowd um, because, of the early, because of the distance between them and the early kick-off. However, 6-1 was not what anyone was expecting, I don't think. Um, and yeah, Ollie Watkins 
it's a while since he's um, we've spoken about him actually because I think he's, he's been injured for a while, but now he's back on form again. He got a hat trick, and he's actually up there with uh, Villa's top scorers at the moment. I think he's third in the all-time Villa's top scoring range at the moment, mm. and I think should be given a, a chance playing for England again. To be honest, however, well, six-one uh, Villa against Brighton, a surprise result and a good start for the uh, match. Match week, really, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, a nice young man, by the way. I was watching what he was saying, and he does seem a nice guy. And also, we've got a Spanish connection with the manager, haven't we? Yes, we have. Um, at Villa at the moment, it's Unai Emery, who um, is Spanish by birth, but he's also he's managed at, I think, Arsenal as well in the Premier League, but he didn't do very well at Arsenal for some reason. But he, uh, he's taken Sevilla um, to... They're, they're especially to the UEFA um, Cup, if you like, the, uh, the Europa. UEFA League. Not the UEFA League, they set the UEFA Cup, yeah. And he's he taken Sevilla to win it five times. He's an expert at that kind of thing. And, yeah, he's at the, at the moment. And he, they're going, not doing particularly well, but they get results at home. Um, and I don't think they're in any, any danger particularly at the moment. So, yeah, um, Good on Villa. Okay, now our second game, um, we both predicted Arsenal to win this one. Uh, it was Bournemouth nil, Arsenal four. I don't think we need to say too much because we both saw uh, the obvious, really, which was that Arsenal should score quite a lot of goals, which they did. Uh, so I want to go next to Everton, and uh, I thought Everton had turned a corner. I thought they'd beat Luton. Um, you, uh, like I, had. Uh, well, we both felt the same, uh, but well done to Luton because they went to Goodison Park and they actually won the game by 2-1. So that was their first away win, wasn't it, in the Premier League? Yes, it was. And um, Everton, uh, they, they've actually won a couple of matches recently, haven't they? But um, they're having a very, very dodgy season. Very, very dodgy all round at Everton at the moment. And it's good on Luton because, uh, yeah, it's the first away win of the season. And they're actually having a chat with um, some Luton fans um, after the match, and they weren't—they weren't expecting Luton to stay up. Let's hope they do, but they weren't even expecting them to win one match in the Premier League. So now they've won—they've won away from home. Um, that's like the feather in their cap there. That first season done for them. But yeah, um, Luton—they're they're fighting away. They seem to have found their feet a little bit, but they're going to have—they're going to have difficulties. Things go on, but mm. Everton as we know, are in serious financial difficulties, serious difficulties on the pitch. And um, I think they've got a, a really full struggle with everything, to be honest. Well, sadly for me, uh, we've got them, I think it's the week after this week coming up and, um, you know, it, that would be the game for them to get it right. But with hope and pray, it's not that week. Um, you know, as I say to everybody, um, you know, great club, great traditions. I, my family were support, my dad in particular was a supporter of Everton. Um, and uh, yes, I don't wish them anything other than the best, if, as long as they finish one point behind Liverpool. Manchester United, a uh, bit like Everton at the moment. The visitors were Crystal Palace. We both thought Man United should have shaded it 2-0 or 2-1, something like that. It was Man United nil, and Roy, Roy of course, uh, Roy uh, Hodgson, uh, he, he managed to get the win. And he's got a good track record of doing that at uh, Manchester United's uh, ground, hasn't he? Yes, apparently. Yes, I mean, um, yeah, it's... Roy Hodgson, um, they were talking about him a lot over the weekend, actually, because obviously everyone's following him because he's of who he is. But uh, he actually started managing in the 1970s, which was before a lot of the uh, commentators and pundits who are now ex-players had even been born themselves. So all Roy's been there since time began, if you like. Um, and, yeah, he's very, very good. Um, we thought Man United should uh, win it because that was a logic. Um, but you've got to keep your eye on Palace when all Roy's in charge because then they can surprise you. And Man United are having a very bad week. It's a, very, a very dodgy period, I would say, Man United in general at the moment. So, uh, yeah, Roy and his team took advantage of it and came away with the points. OK, I went out on a limb in the next one. Uh, we both got the, uh, the actual result right because we knew Newcastle would beat Burnley. 
I thought uh, they might cut loose after having the big win against Aston Villa. Uh, and because they scored uh, three or four, I think it was, against uh, PSG, um, I think my reasoning was vindicated. Uh, Burnley, on the other hand, did have or do have a good manager, uh, certainly defensive-wise. It was Newcastle to Burnley nil. So your thoughts on that one? Well, yeah, you went out 6-0 on that one, didn't you, Vince? But um, I'll tell you, you got your own back, if you like, when they beat uh, Paris Saint-Germain by four in the Champions League. But yeah, two goals were sufficient uh, to get the points and win against Burnley. And um, Vincent Kompany, he's, he's a very good tactical manager. Um, but he was also about the, uh, the, the ass incident and the uh, VAR decisions and things like that. Um, he was doing a bit of brown nosing, shall we say, because it's happened to them before at Burnley. And uh, he was about the only manager who came out and defended the referees on that one. He was only doing it half-heartedly. But uh, hopefully, yeah, to, so they, they wouldn't do it to Burnley again. But yeah, 2-0 to Newcastle. And Newcastle are firing away every single match. OK, uh, the next game, uh, West Ham, we both predicted would beat Sheffield United. 2-0 was the score. Uh, so we'll leave that as we go to a surprise, or was it? Uh, we both thought that uh, Manchester City would score quite a few against Wolves. Um, didn't go quite as planned. Wolves versus City. What did you think of that one? Well, the result, I think, um, was the right one when you actually watch um, the match. Uh, I didn't watch the match live, but I watched the extended highlights. And uh, Wolves deserved to win, didn't they, I think, at the end of the day. And City is proved City are beatable. Um, so, yeah, but I don't think we predicted it both incorrectly. I think most people who would have uh, had a prediction on the match before the match kicked off would have said that City were going to win. So it just goes to prove that uh, you never know, do you? So, uh, yeah, good on Wolves. You don't indeed, and well done to Wolves. Uh, Forrest and Brentford 1-1, I predicted that as a draw, and uh, you thought that uh, Forrest would win. Uh, not an awful lot to say about that, uh, apart from the fact that, you know, I think there was, um, was, was there a VAR incident in that one as well? Yes, I, I think there was actually, but there's been so much going on, hasn't there, over this, uh, this particular week. Um, I'll just say about that one, that was the only match between the pair of us that somebody got the exact right score and it was you at 1-1. Um, we got some of the match results right, but that was the only one between the pair of us where somebody got the score, bang on, and it was you. OK, thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, <laughs> Fulham against Chelsea. Uh, now, I thought that Fulham might have uh, turned them over. So did you. It was Chelsea not really looking tremendously convincing, but they managed to win 2-0. Uh, but um, I'm going to dwell now for a few minutes on the actual football of Liverpool and Spurs. I mean, realistically, with a two-man advantage... Uh, plus, of course, uh, officials who seem to be sort of a little bit prejudiced. Uh, I wasn't as impressed with Spurs as I wanted to be. I do like Spurs, by the way. I, I like them as a team. Um, and I think that they do play attractive football. But I thought, really, considering the uh, the absolute advantage that they had, I, I thought they made a real meal of it, didn't they? They did really, didn't they, considering that they had the two-man advantage for so long. And obviously, they uh, now this has been criticised by some some of the Liverpool players coming back about this that um, they were playing with twelve men, weren't they, Spurs, basically, or possibly with a four in the Gazar box, fifteen men or something like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, you'd have expected more from Spurs. I think Liverpool did really well um, to hang on with two men down, but unfortunately, it was an own goal, wasn't it, in the ninety plus six minute, which uh, gave Spurs the win. But um, I thought it was probably um, the most one of the most exciting matches of the season, although it was full of controversy. Yeah. Again, that makes it more exciting, I suppose, from a neutral's point of view. But um, I think Liverpool did really well to harm for that long, and it was unfortunate uh, that the own goal went in and Spurs got the points because I don't think they deserved them. No, and I felt very sorry for Joel Matip because I thought mm. 
the only thing that I would criticise Klopp for the game was I didn't understand why he didn't bring on Darwin Nunez. I, I really couldn't understand that. Um, but the, the managers obviously have their reasons and they've got squad rotations and he's got a game tonight in the Europa League. So I'm going to move now to the predictions and uh, our reasonings for giving the predicted score that we have. The first one is Luton at home to Spurs. So, what do you think will happen on that game? Well, this is the early kick-off on the Saturday lunchtime, Vince. Um, the logic would go in favour of Spurs, but uh, Luton, off the back of their um, result, well, they, they lost against Burnley, but they uh, got a win away, didn't they, last weekend? I'm going to give Luton the benefit of the doubt and put it down as a one-all draw, Vince. OK, and I think uh, Spurs can't play as badly as they did in parts of the Liverpool game. Uh, I think they're a, they are a good team. I like the Spurs um, manager. I think he's got some nice ways of expressing on the pitch what they do. Uh, Son is fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to say uh, it'll be 3-1 to uh, Spurs as we go uh, to Vincent Company now and his company or his team's company um, will be Chelsea. They're the visitors and uh, your ideas on that game, please. Right, well, we're on to the uh, Saturday uh, 3 o'clock UK time kickoff, standard kickoff times. Um, Burnley at home, they won't have the advantage of the uh, bad weather in the midweek match, but uh, I think they'll I think they'll manage to hold their own against Chelsea because Chelsea aren't doing particularly well. I put it down to two all wins. Okay, well look, um, the weather is unseasonal everywhere. In the past, listening uh, with great fondness to the voice in my mind of Eric Malpas telling me about the horrors of going up to play at Todmorden and up near Oswald Twistle in the Burnley area is always a daunting task and all the Chelsea players will probably have their gloves on and possibly tights uh, but I think it'll be Burnley nil Chelsea 2 not because mm-hmm. I, not because I don't like Burnley I do like Burnley I like I like Vincent Company a lot I think he's a gentleman lovely player when he played for Man City I just think Chelsea have got to click sooner or later. There's all that money's been spent. They need something to show for it. Now, Everton, um, they've got uh, um, visitors um, coming up from the south coast. Uh, they won't need the tights because Merseyside probably still quite warm at this time of the year. So, Bournemouth travel to Everton. Your thoughts on that one? Right now, um I'll put this down for Everton, Vince, because it was only when I looked at the table uh, at the end of last match week that I realised how far down Bournemouth had slipped. Uh, Bournemouth was second to bottom at the moment with three points after seven matches. Um, and it's a long way for them to travel, although they won't be feeling the cold as much. It is a long way for them to travel, and especially for the fans. So I've got it down as a 3-1 to Everton. OK, I only think it's 2-1, uh, but like you, I do feel that uh, Bournemouth, uh, not a bad team, by the way, but then again, it's like most of the Premier League. <laughs> the standard, I've got to say, is quite high. Uh, Everton, they've got the players, you know. Uh, they just haven't got the wherewithal at the moment. So I hope they turn the corner as we go to Flame. Now, Flame, um, they blow hot and cold, but their visitors on Saturday, Sheffield, remembering that they got thumped by Newcastle United. They've got to rebuild the confidence within their team. Um, over to you, Rob. Well, Sheffield United have had a really nightmare start to this season, haven't they, Vince? And they're the only team that hasn't actually won one yet, I think. Um, they've only got one point after seven matches. And uh, am playing at home. I'd like to say Sheffield United, but uh, I can't say it in South. We're going to put down as a 2 1 2 at full AM. 2 0 for me. Uh, exactly the mm-hmm. same thoughts as we go to Manchester United. Um, I'm not keen on the manager. I'm not keen on the petulance of many of the players. Uh, I used to really always enjoy watching Manchester United, but. Um, you know, when Marcus Rashford is driving in his second Rolls Royce to the ground this weekend, I wonder whether or not they're going to put the effort in because I'm not convinced by this team yet. Anyway, um, they're at home to Brentford, who aren't a pushover by any means. Your thoughts on this one? 
Yeah, Brentford are now um, they're quite well established now in the Premier League, aren't they? they they're up to speed with it all, and they're uh, all bit on quite. They fight for everything. Um, Man United, as you say, um, I can see them in a change of manager quite soon, to be honest, um, because they, they aren't playing like Man United should. But I can't see them losing this. I'm going to put this down as a, a, another two all wins. Two all, I put down as a one all as we go to uh, Wolves. Uh, now, Wolves, they've beaten Man City. Come on, that's got to mean something. However, the visitors are Aston Villa. It's a Midlands derby. Plus, uh, you've got Ollie Watkins on fire. You've got um, the Villa team playing exceedingly well. Uh, well, this, this will be a cracking game. What's your outcome? Well, this is a serious Midlands derby, isn't it? Uh, Wolves against Villa. I, mean, I think they call them the Black Country, don't they, that area? And it's a derby match between two rivals who, who've seen each other's faces loads and loads of times over the years. So it's, it's very, very difficult to predict. Um, I think Villa might actually do it, to be honest, because Villa are on a bit of a run at the moment. I think Villa might do it one too. I've gone two three, so we're on the same page, and we are thinking alike on that one. Uh, mm -hmm. We we go to Roy of the Wovers. Uh, Roy, of course, is Crystal Palace manager. Used to manage Liverpool, so we've always got a soft spot for a gentleman like him. Uh, Nottingham Forest are the visitors. I've got a soft spot for Forest. They they uh, play some nice football as well. Manager is trying his best to really get that team going. Uh, how do you think this one will end up? Yeah, they're both teams that it's difficult to have anything to against, isn't it, Vince? Especially the managers of White Palace and Steve Cooper at Forest, who really showed what fighting was about at the end of last season to stay up. Um, it's half past six on the Saturday. One all, Vince, for me. OK, 2-1 for me. I think uh, Roy will come up with the goods as we go to uh, the um, Sky match on the Sunday next, which is Brighton. Play lovely football. They've had a big shock last week. And Liverpool, after the upset of what went on uh, at uh, Spurs, um, goodness gracious me, where will you go with this one? Right now, this is yeah two on form teams really out there. Apart, apart from as you say, what happened to Liverpool last week wasn't their wasn't their fault particularly. Um, and Brighton had a surprise uh, result against them. I've got to put this down as a draw, in, so I'm afraid two all. I've got it down as okay. Well, I was going to put it down as a draw, and then I thought no. If this football team of Jurgen Klopp's got anything about it, and I think they have, I can see them shading this. 2-3. Um, I hope that the spirit, you know, I, I was so impressed by the spirit of that team in the fact that, you know, uh, though they came 30 seconds within a result and they'd had the Luis Diaz goal disallowed and all the other things that went against them. So that's what I'm hoping as we go to West Aim. This is another cracker on the cards. They're at home to Newcastle United, just beaten PSG. So there we are. Give us your prediction. Yeah, well, West Ham um, are in Europe as well, aren't they, this season? And they're also um, seventh position in the, the Premier League, which is a place above Newcastle. So, yeah, both teams are going very well. Um, but I think Newcastle, I think Newcastle on the whole are a stronger team, Vince, I think. Um, I can see this being um, a nil-two to Newcastle, Vince. OK, well, I've seen the same difference, but a 1-3. So um, we're on the same mm -hmm. page. The big game of the weekend has got to be Arsenal at home to Man City. Now, Man City have been wounded. And when an animal gets wounded, it normally fights back. It's a Sky uh, special and this should be a cracking game. Where do you think this one will end up? This should be a cracking game, shouldn't it, Vince? Um, let's hope that they uh, don't have a bunch of um, fools in charge of the uh, refereeing in the VAR system because uh, we can do without that kind of thing again. This could end up anywhere, couldn't it? This is the um, half-past five UK, uh, UK time kick-off on Sunday. It's really difficult to predict this one, Vince, but I'm going to put it down as an Arsenal 3-2. OK, and I've got a 2-2. Two, two. 
so because of that, it'll probably end up as a Man City win and we'll both be wrong. OK, Rob, look, uh, we've only got a minute left, so I'm going to say thanks for a very interesting podcast again. Um, and, uh, yeah, another good weekend to look forward to. Let's hope VAR get this right. Rob, I'm going to say last word to you. Yes, Vince. Well, yeah, let, let's hope that this uh, incident, uh, or the incident, if you like, during the match between Spurs and Liverpool, actually get the VAR system sort of work, working properly or they get rid of it entirely. Uh, because it just showed up what fast the whole thing is. So uh, thanks anyway, Vince, and thanks too. Thank you, Rob. Have a great week and look forward to our next one. Cheers. With Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking football.